0: Hey everyone and welcome to episode 40 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers and I'm here with Megan Francis. Episode 40, Megan. I know. Wow. It's older than us.
1: You know what? I like that. And it's only (laughs) going to continue to get older than us. There's no way now that we can
0: outpace this show. No, it helps that it ages every week and (laughs) we have the benefit of a slower time clock. Yeah. Um. So today we are talking about something we have said we're going to talk about for almost a year. Yeah, we
1: keep like dropping these teasers. We're I really think talk it's so about this. interesting.
0: So I we're going to talk about birth order and specifically how birth order and our own experiences in the birth order we grew up in kind of impacts how we parent our kids. Um, in their birth order. So obviously, major disclaimer, you and I are not psychologists or child development specialists, but we are people from relatively large families raising a lot of kids. So it's a really fun conversation to have. And I know a lot of our listeners have observed some of these things. So yeah, yeah, so no expert advice here or um, researched data, just our own experiences. So
1: which is basically um, what we are all the time anyway, so. All the time. No if surprise.
0: If you're here for medical or um, clinical advice, you are not in the right place. <laughs> if you're here to listen to us babble, welcome. Yes. Um, so first, I thought we'd start with our regular segment, which is what's happening in your house this week, Megan? You've been away, I think, right? Yeah, so I don't know what's been happening in my house. <laughs> okay, so what happened in your <laughs> life? Maybe not your house. That's actually um, funny. My... I have no idea what happened in
1: your house. <laughs> I will say I came home and the house was very clean, and that oh, made me cool. very happy um I my sister and I my mother-in-law lives in Florida she lives on the Gulf Coast um and we my sister and I were dying to get out of Michigan as one starts to do this time of year often so we just went flew down there and had like kind of a little mini getaway um that you know it's funny now and and we've talked about traveling I can't even remember now which episode it was where we talked about traveling recently we talked about (laughs) yes recently and I have to say that this was a lesson in r- arranging your flights on the early end of when you are leaving and the later end of when you get back. Okay. Because while we were gone and essentially useless to our families for close to four days, we really you and your only- Your sister has young kids too. Not as young as uh, Not as young. Her yeah. youngest is the same age as Owen. So okay. So her youngest Quinn and is still, about- but still- Dependent little, yeah, children. Dependent children. Um, we really only got two full days of vacation. You know, by the time you really- like there was a, a delay on our flight- Yeah um getting out there and then a delay coming back because we had a medical emergency landing.
0: Yeah, you texted me. I never heard yes. what happened.
1: Um a guy, I think a guy's pacemaker went nuts. Oh wow. So he was okay he in was the so end. Good. But um it just took a long time and so it ended up sort of eating up, you know, basically yeah. two full days. It's still fun. I still got to hang out with my sister. But anyway, to make a long story short. We went to Florida and we just kind of it was nice there, not hot, not really beach weather, but we did yoga on the beach. Oh, that's fun. um There's this big group down there, mostly retired folks who do it every day and every evening. Um, And we just walked around and went to Sarasota and went to the Botanic Garden, sat in a tiki bar for a while. Just had a really good time. It was nice to get away. We don't do that enough, the two of us. That is really cool. And if anybody wants to get to know my sister, Catherine, she's been actually on a couple episodes of The Home Hour. Yes. Uh, We talked about... Uh, Children's literature and musical theater, I believe. Love it. So, yeah, pe- check those two episodes out. You could just, if you look for Katherine, K A T H R E E N, her name is pretty unmistakable. So, yes. just search for that at lifelistens.com and you'll find it. So, that was my week. So, I got back oh. yesterday and now I'm just kind of playing catch up. But you know what? I came home to clean laundry and Love a clean it. kitchen and I guess I can't complain too much.
0: No, no complaining. And you got to be a- away from the cold. Exactly. A bit. And that was glorious. Excellent. Well, what well, about you? Yeah, what's happening in my house this week? Um, well, I had to I have to complain about the weather a little bit and that is Uh-oh. terrible because I live in Southern California. But we were supposed to get El Niño yo, and <laughs> it was it has been like in the 80s. Um, so again, I know I'll be like virtually slapped from all corners of the country for complaining, but we really need rain. We don't get very much winter. And gosh darn it, mid February is usually pretty like gray and rainy, even in Southern California. And where is it? Where is it, people? So um, we have had ridiculous weather. Last weekend, we went up to Santa Barbara, my hometown, and it was phenomenal weather. And then we had one little day of rain this week, and now it's sunny again. But, yeah, actually what I was going to say has been going on this week is on the topic of card games. All of a sudden, we've reached this magical milestone where Violet, who just turned three, can actually play a few simple card games or board games with the other kids. or with Legitimately. The Legitimately. <laughs> okay. And she is, just an, as as an aside on Violet, she's like not one where you can be like – here, hold these cards, sweetie. Right, They're totally playing with us. Like yeah. she some knows kids, she's some being Some kids biased. know we'll go with that. and yeah. yeah. No, she totally is not. And when she feels left out, which we're going to talk about, about all this birth order stuff, when she feels like she's not being included or that she's like the marginalized little kid, she really acts out. I mean, really. Like you can't just give her a little puzzle and say, oh, you're totally included. Like yeah. she will wreck the you-know-what out of that board game like <laughs> yep. with one sweep of her paw. So all of a sudden, she can play Go Fish, she can play Old Maid, it's so cute. She's still like, you know, we have to be a little patient, but it's right. miles ahead. So all of a sudden, we've been playing more games, and actually, I have to say, enjoying them, and everyone's almost getting along. It's kind of like, wow. all of a sudden. That's
1: a big and change for you, because you haven't really been into the whole board game, card game thing.
0: Well, it's just been too much like mess management, like right. knocking stuff on the floor and fighting about it, and like not worth it, so... Um, not saying it's gonna be my new twenty-four seven pastime, but um and that also brought up a product that I can't believe I haven't mentioned when we sometimes mention products, but I don't know if you have these, but we have these little plastic playing card holders for when little kids' hands are they're not coordinated enough or big enough to hold a hand of cards. And they're a great idea. They're like six bucks on Amazon. I'll link to them. Um we got them as a gift or as somebody one of my friends ordered two sets or something. They are honestly the best invention ever. When I was growing up, we used to take like a big um, book and try and, you know, make a divider so nobody could see our cards. And it always got knocked over and got in the way. And um, these are fantastic. They work so well and they hold a lot of cards. So if you're playing Old Maid or something where you have a big hand, they work so well. So I will link to those in the show notes. But fabulous. that's what's been going on. We've been, we've been peacefully playing games and I'm sort of like floored by it. So, oh. Anyway, if only we had winter weather to play our games.
1: Oh, gosh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. Come visit us.
0: We'll, we'll uh, game, I know.
1: So. Although today it's 50 degrees, so I, well, I, mean, I don't even know what I'm talking about. This winter has been bizarre. It but.
0: is weird. It is a yeah. weird winter. So, Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor.
1: Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code momour at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR.
0: Okay, well, before we launch in, and we will, just a couple of housekeeping um, notes. First of all, every few episodes, I like to welcome new listeners because I know we're getting them all the time, and I sometimes feel like you and I just launch right in as if everybody knows who we are and what we're talking about, so... Welcome if you're new. Thank you for being here. You can always find all of the episodes we've recorded, all 40 up through this one at themomhour.com. When you go there, it looks like a blog or a website and you'll just see a chronological list of all our episodes. You can find out more about us there. You can find out how to subscribe to the show or leave us a review, all of which we hope you'll do um, and just make it easier to listen to more. So in case we've caught you on your first day, we are so happy you're here. And if you're returning, thanks for coming back. Yes. absolutely. Um, yeah, I have to, did you see this, um, the tweet we got from one of our listeners, Karen, they were listening to us at 1.7 speed. Yes, oh, yeah. I, I had to mention that. So Karen <laughs> oh. listens to all podcasts on 1.7 times the normal speed. If you're a podcast listener, you might know you can speed them up. Um, that sounds so stressful to me. I feel like we talk so fast. Yeah. Anyway, you know, when I listen back to us, I'm like, oh my gosh, slow down. John listens to books
1: on you know, I always say books on tape, which I feel like makes me sound like I'm sixty <laughs> years old. But you know, audiobooks. He always speeds them up to like one point five to or to one point seven five and I can't even be in the same room. <laughs> It stresses me out. Like it causes a lot of anxiety for me because it doesn't sound natural. But he did say you get used to it really fast. So
0: yeah, and it would obviously it knocks out more. I mean, you can pack more in to an hour. But oh, Karen. So anyway, Karen said that she listened to us on normal speed for the first time. and didn't even recognize our voices. That's so funny, which I thought was so funny. We probably just sound like kind of like this when we're right, you know, because it doesn't
1: (laughs) it doesn't mess with what I think is so funny is it doesn't make them sound like Elvin and the Chipmunks. It's not like that, like speeding up a record. It's just really fast. And I already talk really fast. Yeah, I think we both do. I always, like, when I listen, I'm like,
0: slow down, Sarah. Karen must have extraordinarily fast ears. (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah, the fact that we haven't driven her insane yet is sort of impressive. Um, So we are at The Mom Hour on Twitter, too, and you can communicate with us that way. So all of that is that. Let's talk about birth order. Let's do it. So, Megan, tell everybody, assuming nobody knows you, Tell everybody, the family you grew up in, your birth order, and then the how many kids you have, just so we're starting. Sure. Well, I think I have a little bit of
1: – it's actually not that unique because this is very common, but um, I grew up in a family where I was the youngest of four and uh, significantly younger than my siblings, which I think also makes a difference. So my mm-hmm. my sister is 10 years older than my brother is 8 years older and my other brother is 4 years older. So by the time I really remember much mm-hmm. <laughs> about you know my childhood, my two oldest were gone. Um, they, my sister moved out when she was 18 and went off to live her life, and my brother ended up going to uh, private school for a while and then ended up moving in with my dad. So I only really grew up with my next oldest brother in the right. house. Right. Then I eventually ended up moving in with my dad and had a younger step-sibling mm-hmm. who was sort of like a younger brother. But there was also a period of time in there when my next oldest brother was not living in the house, and so I was an only child. So mm-hmm. I have been, I've mm-hmm. really had the gamut of experiences mm-hmm. except never the oldest okay again i've been sort of a quasi middle i've been a right. youngest the baby and that's probably where the bulk of my you know um experience comes from right. and then and i also do have a younger step or a half sibling but she's so much younger than me that she feels like a niece i mean it doesn't really right. it's not that kind of relationship. and it wasn't part of the dynamic growing no, up. no 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 right. it wasn't until i was 20 years old so um and then now you know i've got five kids and um Obviously, one is the oldest and one is the youngest. And then we've got three in the middle. But my, my daughter is the, is the youngest, which my only daughter. Right. And I think that's kind of an interesting dynamic, too. They're a Absolutely. little closer together than we were, maybe just because there's more of them, really. Because really, mm-hmm. if, you, if you look at the ages, Jacob and Clara are about 11 years apart. Um, and then they're like, you know, every two years, then a four-year gap, and then two years, and then, mm-hmm. and then three to Clara. So it's really, you know, it's not that different from the family I grew up in. Right. I guess maybe there's just one more in the middle there. Yeah, a
0: little more, a little more squished, a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I um I grew up in a family of three. I'm the oldest of three, um, with a two-year gap between me and my brother, and then quite a larger gap. So we were eight and six when my sister was born. And we're gonna talk about all these things, but like you said, that does make a difference, I think, in these birth order things, um, Mm -hmm. the distance between siblings. But so we were kind of a two and then one um in terms of the spread. Um, so i was eight, I'm eight and a half years older than my sister. But the crazy thing is to me is that i I had three kids. I had them closer together, but I had the same gender pattern. So I grew up in girl, boy, girl, family mm-hmm. of three, and then I had girl, boy, girl, which I just think is kind of fascinating when you're parenting these people, and it is so parallel to what you grew up in. Obviously, it's not the same. There's a ton of differences, but it's so easy to um like assign memories and the way we remember relating to siblings because it looks the same on paper at least. Um, My kids are closer together so I have a two-year gap between my first two and then about it's about two years and nine months between number two and number three a little over two and a half years so anyway so that's why I'm an oldest was always the oldest Um, and so you are the youngest with maybe some variations on that. Um, but first I'm going to just throw out a couple things that I read in preparation for this episode. And then, um, I really want to start with, I'm going to start with middle children because they often get left out and we got some great feedback on our Facebook page and you have three middle children and I have one. So even though neither you nor I are a middle, actually, that's where I want to start. Sarah,
1: before you go on really quick, mm -hmm. I just want to quickly interrupt. Did you say that Brian is... A middle, or is he the youngest? He's an oldest. He's so an oldest. oldest. And John's an oldest, isn't he? Yeah. Now, how did I miss that up? For some reason, I thought he no, was that's different okay. I don't yeah. think he,
0: he does not um, have a lot of the same oldest traits that I do. I think we're mm-hmm. both, we both were oldest, but the dynamic in his family was different. So, um, we have different oldest traits, I think, um, like, which makes us different personalities, if that makes sense. So even though right. they're both oldest and and you said John's an oldest, he's an oldest. Yeah. yeah. Of three. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, um, okay. Well, I'm not going to get too much into nerdy data, but I do like research and I just read a couple of things in preparation for this and wanted to throw it out there that, um, so much of what we think about birth order is kind of pop psychology that is very loosely, validated by data. Not that it's not true, but the studies around birth order are very complicated and have been very flawed. And in fact, a lot of them have been kind of debunked. And you can see why, because it's a very hard thing to study because there's so many other factors, right? Right. The gender of the kids and the dynamic that people grew up in. So all these things you hear like 41 of 44 presidents were firstborn children. That's not actually true, but you hear things (laughs) like that. And it's really a much more complicated thing to study. But one of the things that they've pointed out recently is that there's a difference between your actual birth order and then what they call your perceived birth order. And I thought that was really interesting. It's almost what you were talking about, um, that sometimes when there's a bigger gap in age or there's other family circumstances – that children will sort of occupy a stereotypical place in the birth order that isn't their actual birth order. And once they started studying that, um, there's a lot of things that come out. So there is sort of a firstborn personality say, and it may not actually be the firstborn in a given family because of X, Y, Z factors. So that I thought was interesting. And I think probably with your growing up and the different times that you occupied different roles, that's probably true. You probably have some Experiences that relate as an only, you know, for example, mm-hmm. because yeah. you're um, And then again, the other thing that came out in some of the reading is how much parental bias we have. And I know we do this that when we assume, for example, that our youngest is, you know, babied and needy and dramatic, that that can be a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Or if we're overly worried about the middle getting forgotten. We can somehow either overcompensate or fulfill that prophecy too, so that there's a huge part of this that is kind of labeling and assumptions, and I think we know that, but um, I also think that's interesting. So those are yeah. some things that came out in kind of the reading that I did
1: you know, I remember <clears throat> excuse me, I think that all makes a lot of sense, and I also think that you know, in a family of five kids, I mean, technically there's three middle kids, but that's right. not really the way it plays out. And um, right. you know, I remember hearing a different family order structure that applied more to bigger families and Mm -hmm. I can't now exactly remember what it was but it was like you know there's the hero which tends to be the oldest the clown I think is usually like the fourth in line not necessarily the youngest it just kind of depends you know um I'm trying to remember now what the the, you know there's the like the good one or the right visible child yeah I mean yeah there's different types and and again I I think you can see that play out like I could look at my family of origin and say yeah I can kind of see where this matches and this matches and this matches but I think I don't know. For one thing, for my family, I've really tried not to go down that um, path in, in a lot of ways because I just don't think it applies. When I really look right. at my kids, like my oldest, um, he does not f- fit a lot of the classic, you know, oldest child mm-hmm. um, things that are supposed to be there and characteristics. So he's bossy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of where it ends. He's not right. very, He's not super responsible. I wouldn't say he feels, you know, shoulders a lot of guilt or or stress right. or anxiety about um, you know, having the certain role in the family or being or the leader, lead or performing or performing pleasing, or being yeah. pleasing us. I mean, almost the opposite. If anything, I would say maybe the second or mm-hmm. possibly the third in our family is that mm-hmm. way. And so I, I do wonder. You know, does spacing them out make that difference, or does the way you relate? You know, me being the youngest, mm-hmm. did that make me relate to my oldest so much
0: differently that he then didn't turn into that kind of like archetypical and oldest, like? Just nature sometimes. I mean, temperament, I think, has a huge, huge amount of impact, too.
1: Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, I mean – Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say is that I could look at my middle middle, like my real middle child. That's Your William. Middle. He is easygoing. He kind of goes with the flow. He's the one who always ends up doing stuff for everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, just he's that kid. So in some ways he does kind of fit that. But then I look at, you know, the idea that there's like an invisible child or one that just kind of flies under the radar. And that's not him. So I I've, there's characteristics right. from all of them. But I I've, have a really hard time kind of applying them across the board.
0: Well, I think, and that's why I wanted to start in the middle, because I think it's kind of the murkiest, and because they get left out, that's the the stereotype. Um, So we're devoting the first few minutes to talking about middles, but one thing that when I was reading up is that there's a lot of different assumptions about middle. Either they're, I mean, when you read some characteristics, it's that they have to fight for their place, and they're kind of obsessed with fairness and justice, but then on the other hand, you hear of them as uh, low-maintenance peacekeepers that kind of just go with whatever. I mean, right. those are pretty opposite. I I, I think, have one of each in my family. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. My middle is much more of fighting for his place. I would say mm. he's also the only boy again, coming back to, um, how gender and other things impact this. But one thing I think that's pretty clear is a middle, whether you just have one middle or, you know, many middles is going to probably distance themselves from, the sibling above them in the more, in the most significant way. Don't you feel like, I feel like there's, and I, not that they do that intentionally, but that where the bigger personality differences seem to be is between consecutive siblings. Does that make sense? Well, no matter where you are in the line, I feel like that, um, just because they're, they need to find their own place. So it depends, it almost, it's almost like the middle depends on what the oldest was like and, yeah. and how that dynamic. Um,
1: you know, that's interesting, Sarah. This may be this is gonna be one for the record books. I'm about to disagree with you. (laughs) Please do. No, um I'm just thinking about that. It makes so much sense logically and theoretically, but in my family, actually, my middle middle Uh identifies most strongly with his just older brother. Oh, interesting. I wouldn't say he is separating himself much from anyone really. That doesn't seem to be his Mm. personality to do that. Mm -hmm. Um he doesn't really seem all that interested in differentiation. Right. <laughs> I think he really likes being part of the pack. And so for him, um, if anything, I would say he's maybe separating himself more from the younger. But keep mm-hmm. in mind, too, that he's older. You know, right. he's older than than your set of kids. So, like, right. he's 12. So he would much rather identify with his 16- uh, or 18-year-old brothers right. than his 10-year-old brother, even though the two of them are buddies and always together. Just because they grew up together right. so closely, um, I would say he's definitely more apt to try to leave him out or um, right. look seem different from him. That's right. really, it's really interesting. I'll, I'll give that more thought before I totally poo poo the idea. Yeah, no, but I, I would say if anything, my second oldest uh-huh. differentiated himself from the oldest right. most distinctly. Like yeah, I, made yeah. a real effort, and especially in his younger years, I could almost watch him. Because Jacob was very. Uh, prone to sort of like sensitive, dramatic, you know, freakouts and stuff. And I could how I could almost see Isaac watching him and thinking, oh, I'm not gonna. That's not playing very well. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like he would look at Jacob and he would look at us and be like, Oh, this isn't going well for yeah, him. I'm gonna try a different. <laughs> I'm gonna try something different. So if I had to say, the two of them uh, probably are the ones that took the most drastic path away from each other. And right. Isaac
0: technically is a middle.
1: Right. So that right. counts. It's just not the middle middle. Right. Not the true middle.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm gonna um. I'm curious how you think you parent your middles or if you've ever given much thought and maybe, I mean, I'm sure it's just kind of naturally happens. But if you've ever given thought to like, I want to make sure nobody gets lost in the shuffle or that the middle has their own way to feel special. And again, you have three middles, so it really is. They're all so different. But I definitely kind of fall prey to that. And I have a middle who is a challenge. He's the most kind of emotionally intense. So he's far from being forgotten. If anything is kind of like dominates a lot of the time, at least at this phase in our lives. But, um, I do think that that's, if you have three or more, it's common to kind of worry about the cliche of leaving out the one in the middle or helping them feel like they've got some place in the family. Has that been ever something that's come up or that you've Consciously given thought
1: to? Well, you know, and I'm going to, there's always for me, there's always like an other option. So nice. <laughs> while I'm thinking about this, I think it also sometimes can depend how spread out your family is because mm-hmm. for years, um, Isaac was the right. middle, middle child. And if yes. I had to say there was one kid that maybe to the detriment of everybody I favored or mm-hmm. <clears throat> gave special attention to or let things go with, it was maybe Isaac. Like mm-hmm. I think he was the middle for. You know, first he was the youngest, right. and I identify strongly with youngest. So, you know, that's, I may have taken his side on things right I shouldn't have. And then we added another kid, and that was William. And so by this point, um, Isaac was four, and he was the middle for mm-hmm. two more years. And so he really got treated like sort of, I, I'm not going to say preferentially. I think mm-hmm. he just got maybe a little more attention. Yeah. Then, um, and then, you know, and William was so easygoing, he really never needed right. that kind of intense right. attention. Then by the time Owen comes along, who was a really challenging baby, it kind of shifted to now where William and, and Isaac are both in the middle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but William's much more of like a, the easygoing one, mm-hmm. where Isaac's more of the kind of figuring his place out mm-hmm. one. So I don't like it depends, I guess. the right. answer, and, But it does
0: sound like maybe in those <clears throat> earlier years. Yeah. He didn't get forgotten, if anything, he got
1: yeah, I think I overcompensated.
0: Yeah. I think I do too. And again, it has to do with the only boy thing and some mate and some definitely some temper some temperament things that just right. make my middle the loudest, the squeakiest wheel sometimes. Exactly. Yes. And um, the squeaky wheels do get the That's grease. interesting. Yeah. Um, I wanna read two different Facebook comments we got because I think again they point to this. There's so many ways to be a middle, but um Stephanie said, I'm the middle child and I'm the typical peacemaker. Don't rock the boat, maintain the status quo type. I tried to balance out my genius big brother and rebellious little sister by being as, quote, normal as possible. I think I kind of embraced the middle child status by sitting quietly back and observing what they did and how it worked out for them. I think I probably did get away with more since no one would ever have expected me not to follow the rules. Um, So that I thought was kind of interesting, sort of like a... um, you know, watching and observing, not rocking the boat, middle child. Right. And then Francis on our Facebook page said, well, I got away with a whole lot more than my sister did, but less than my brother. I'm ferociously independent and not afraid to form an opinion or justify it either. I'm happy doing my own thing, though I like company. But if I'm not being treated well, I'm gone. And I've always known that the quickest route is the direct one, straight up the middle. So I thought those are, like, both really well said and just yeah. very – um representative of how many different experiences there are in the middle. I guess what I'm coming back to is I kind of came in with a bias that it sucks to be in the middle. And I don't know why. I don't think that was true in my family. Um, If anything, again, with the age gap, my brother and I were more of a two-kid family for a long time. And I was a typical older and he was probably a typical younger. And then so, it was, you know, it was quite a while before he was even in the middle. But I think I have always kind of come to it like... Like, no middle child is happy with their middle position. Their I don't know right. why. That was, that was my preconceived <clears throat> notion. Yeah.
1: And I think for me, maybe in the earlier days of parenting, I thought about that stuff more. And so maybe that's where I was sort of overly concerned about Isaac, first as a younger, then as a middle. Where does he fit? He was right. the ch- most challenging of that set, of that mm-hmm. the oldest three. He was the most challenging by far. Um, and then I think you know, we just added more kids kind of quickly right? and then everything just shifted and then shifted again. And I just sort of lost, I think I lost track. Like I think at some point I stopped even thinking about where anyone fell except for maybe the oldest and the youngest. Like I really right. didn't think about the people right. in the middle as having a particular position or right. experience or anything. And then when the, all the dust settled and I was able to go, okay, five kids, that's how many we're going to have. That's right. it. Now I know where everyone lines up. Right. It's interesting to me the way things have played out according right. to those um right you know, stereotypes, and then they haven't. Right. And I would say there's almost as many that haven't right. as have. Yeah, that's so, really interesting. Yeah. Um, now, let's talk about – we have to definitely talk about um, – and I'm sure you already have this on your plan <laughs> to get to, <laughs> mis- organized oldest. Yeah. But I also feel like, you know, there's those, those, there's those stereotypes about, like, the youngest gets away with everything, blah, blah, blah. Well, right. that's – I mean, that's more about the parents just getting tired. Right. Really. Though, you know what I mean? It's not yeah. – it's, it, it may, it affects their experience, but it's not necess- it's not a personality trait right. at it all. Getting away with trait. things is yes. not temperament. It's just right. my parents gave up or right. decided it wasn't worth it or whatever. Right. So I don't know, just throwing that in there. Yeah. And I'm no, sure there's I ways mean- I could apply to middles as well.
0: Okay. Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes. I'm not wearing things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet.
1: Sarah, our sponsor, Hia Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Higha Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? The steel's is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults.
0: Yeah. And I think, well, that's, I think when we move on to oldest and youngest, that's where it's going to get really interesting of what our own experiences mean for how we parent. So let's talk about youngest. Um, okay. Because you are one. Do you, what do you remember about being the youngest? Do you remember being left out or wishing you were older
1: um I think I liked my baby status Mm -hmm. I do think that I enjoyed that I think that for me the hardest part was especially because um a lot of my siblings were gone pretty Mm -hmm. you know relatively early I -hmm. always wanted other people around me I never really liked being by myself I was always a kid who would rather be at a friend's house than home Mm -hmm. you know just by myself Mm -hmm. or with my mom um but I also always kind of regretted that they all had this shared history that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. And I remember being really jealous because they all went to Disney World and my mom was pregnant with me at the time. Mm-hmm. So everyone would kind of be like, you went. And I thought, okay, <laughs> no, that's lame. I did not go to Disney World. And it wasn't like, I didn't care about Disney World. It was that they all had this trip they went on. Yeah. There's all these pictures and albums full of, of family photos that didn't mm-hmm. include me. And that... Um I don't know that was a bummer for me mm-hmm. for you know I remember that being kind of something that bothered me, mm-hmm. and other than that, um I think I was like kind of you know it's hard to remember when you're really, really little, but I definitely remember trying to tag along with my brother, who was so much older that he wasn't really interested in playing with me unless it was right. kind of in a torturous sort of mm-hmm. way um and then not really having much relationship with my bigger brother and sister at all until I was much older, like right. a teenager. And that's when we kind of bonded. So, And you know,
0: said you liked, just to jump back, you said mm-hmm. you, you did kind of like that feeling of being, not babied, but the the baby or the one yeah. who got cared for. And yes. I think you've told me before that you, your mom like dressed you and, you know, you, that you were kind of like cared for in that baby way for oh, a yeah, long time. Oh, yeah, for a very
1: long time, yes. Yeah.
0: And longer than, you know, longer
1: than the other kids for sure. For whatever reason, it's not, I don't... You know, some of it's you know just necessity. Some of it right. was I was the youngest, so I got just kind of caretaken the longest. Yeah, and there's maybe there was nobody behind you. Yeah, like, you and that. everyone knew that I was the last, so maybe there was just that that holding on a little bit. Right. Um, I did enjoy that kind of stuff. I like the attention. I've always liked attention. I'll be very honest. Yeah, I'm needy.
0: <laughs> no, I think that's pay
1: attention to me. I'm needy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. So how how then do you think any of that? How do you think about that when you parent your youngest? Well, here's the tricky part about that. Um, Clara is suddenly very big. She still
1: likes to be babied in some ways, you know? She's almost seven, right? She's almost seven. She'll be seven in less than a month, Um, And she, which I cannot believe. (laughs) But she really, in some ways, really still likes being cared for and in other ways is starting to kind of push against that. I would say if anyone, Owen, who is our second youngest – stayed like sweet and cuddly and babyish longer Um, and is still the kid that people, he's just such a sweetheart. Like you can look at him, his little face is just, I mean, I I can see him now changing very quickly into like a pre-adolescent. And it makes me really sad because he's just been just the sweetest little sweetheart for so long. And he, he is was, the youngest
0: boy. He's so the, the youngest like boy.
1: Sometimes shift yeah, our, exactly.
0: our birth order. So he, he was the youngest in,
1: in that way. In that group. And he was very easy to baby and still is very easy to baby. Sometimes Clara milks it a little bit and it comes off like she'll do a baby voice talk thing. And I I mean, it like makes the, the hair on the back of my neck stand I up. I,
0: I don't know if any of your kids have done well, that. Oh, yeah. My but, oldest does a baby voice sometimes and I just shut it down. I mean, like, it's I like have, this, I have babies. I have people yeah. who can't speak in full sentences. So you, right. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, I had this visceral reaction to it where I'm like, don't talk to me I like know. that. Like, no baby talk. You know, I can't I take it. But part of it's because she's it's forced. She's yeah. not just being like my sweet, needy youngest. She's actively trying to act like a baby Milk and, it, and and she's milking it, which is maybe a youngest. Like maybe Owen just kind of lucked out by sort mm-hmm. of falling into this place where he can get kind of loved on the way a baby would and yet has the has all the benefits of being a little bit older and isn't really trying he's not trying to be that kid he just it just kind of where he fell and clara maybe is kind of pulling up the end she wants to be a big kid but she doesn't want to lose her position right and so she kind of maybe sometimes uh, i don't know defaults a little bit to Baby talk. I will also say that I do not think that I identify more with Clara because she's a girl. If anything, I think I'm harder on her, which mm-hmm. I did not realize would happen with me. Mm-hmm. I really thought, you know, I bond with her. I see so much of myself in her mm-hmm. at that age, and it almost makes me want to be like, snap out of it. <laughs> <You know>? right. <laughs> like, right. Just, you know, pull yourself together And when she's really emotional or whatever. I mean, I I really have to talk myself down and remind myself that it's still developmentally appropriate for right. her to be like that. and. Right. It's not that she's just overly clingy. She just really, really, really loves me. And those things are very normal and um, won't last forever. I I don't know why that is. We almost butt heads in a way
0: I never did with the boys. Right. So, well, no, I think that's, I think that's interesting. And we can't always help. I mean, for those out there who are prone to guilt, you can't always help the things that really bug you as a mom. I mean, you can respond to them with an adult, you know, knowledge and, you know, hopefully take a moment before you respond, but right. we, you never know the things that are just going to drive you crazy. And it's okay right. that there are those things, whether it's baby talk or drama or bickering, like we have our triggers. So it's just yeah. a little aside. Do you think there's anything that you didn't like as a youngest growing up that you've tried to change for Clara? Do you know what I mean? Like feeling left out or, you know, whatever it is, or do you just, or do you just think you guys have your own? dynamic. Um, let me think about. It. I have to
1: sneeze again. Oh my gosh, this is the second show where I've sneezed. Now it's Wait, a pattern. Wait, nope now that I've said it, it's gone. It's over. It's, it's, gone. Go, it's over. False alarms. False alarms. <laughs> I just didn't want anyone listening to be like, "What was that?" because I have a really loud <laughs> sneeze. Um, you know, I I've, I've never really thought about it in quite those terms. Some of it is because the things that she tends to get left out would with would be things that weren't even like video games. I mean, right. I didn't have right. games growing up. My, my brother had an Atari, I guess. I never thought about it. Um so those are the kinds of things like sometimes, but maybe it does apply because when they have friends over, I remember this being a big thing when I was little, like when mm-hmm. my brothers had friends over, I always wanted to be included. Yeah. And that was the time I was definitely not being included, you know? Right. Right. Um, and so now, you know, I can kind of see Clara hanging around and they'll let her kind of hang with them, but they mm-hmm. don't really let her do what they're doing, mm-hmm. which tends to be playing older kid games, playing mm-hmm. video games, that kind of stuff when it's like the 10 and 12 year olds. So sometimes I'll intervene on her behalf. But again, sometimes I look at it and I'm thinking, okay, suck it up, buttercup. you got your own yeah. friends. She's yeah. got her own cousins. Yeah. She has all this time to do that stuff when her brother's friends aren't yeah. around. And her brother's friends aren't around that often. So I right. kind of feel like when they're around, that's their opportunity. They yeah. come from a big family and they have to deal with their siblings all the time. So right. I'm more like likely to try to get her out of their hair, honestly, right. than to be like, play with your sister, play right. with your sister. Right. Now, other times, I will, I will. there is a thing if I'm busy or if I'm like... <clears throat> you know, running out to the store and I know Clara might want a snack or something. I'll make it very clear. Like if there's something she can't do for herself, you guys help her. Cause they'll put yeah. her off. And I remember that feeling of being kind of helpless and no one's yeah. helping Aww. me, you know? And I mean, it's not a big deal. She's almost seven. She can definitely right. figure out how to make a sandwich if she really wants to, right. or get a glass of water. But sometimes it's like, just help your sister. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. She's yeah. younger. She's not easy for her. Yeah. Just help her. Yeah. So I'm trying to, I guess I'm just trying to, Walk that line and balance yeah. it out. Like, I want her to be self-sufficient. You know, she was our latest walker. She never had to walk. Yeah. Everyone carried her. Yeah. So I don't want that to get pulled forward to the, you know, she's 10 years old and doesn't know how to make a sandwich. Right. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to force the boys to care for her or, or like, include her in stuff, I guess right. is what I'm saying, that right. maybe they have a right not to. Right. That was a very long-winded way of no, saying no. Oh. I, I think
0: you're I think what you really talked about is like empathy. Like you empathize right. with that position. And I think you can empathize even if you, you're not in the same birth order, but especially if you have childhood memories. But that doesn't mean you're going to bend over backward to orchestrate a perfect experience because she's the youngest. There's good parts, there's bad parts, and she and her brothers will figure it out. So no, I think it was a very a very wise response. Um I have some specific things that I feel like I pay more attention to with my oldest because I was the oldest. So that's kind of why I asked. So maybe should we transition to oldest? or do you have any other younger thoughts? I mean, maybe they'll pop up. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. So, so just on that note, I do feel like one of the sort of cliches about oldest is that they are sort of responsible, self-sufficient driven. That's all true for me. Um, I think my temperament, my parents never put pressure on me to like perform in school or be XYZ. I think I had like an inborn temperament that made a lot of that a more extreme, especially when it came to like responsibility and taking things seriously, more so than, say, grades and performance. That's always not been like a huge priority for me, but more, you know, doing things right or, you know, doing things well, competence. And that I really think is temperament. But I will say that I probably took things more seriously than I needed to from a younger age, both because I was the oldest and because that was my nature. And I work really hard, not work really hard. Again, there's the oldest talking, but I'm very aware of having my oldest be a kid, you know, and not, Mm -hmm. um, not, she is very conscientious. Um, it's funny she occupies that oldest role in some ways, very stereotypically, and in other ways not. She's a real nurturer and super um, emotionally aware, like making sure she'll always take a little kid, even a little kid she doesn't know. She'll always make sure they're included. She has a very kind of adult awareness of is everybody taken care of, and that is like kind of a maybe an oldest caretaker, responsible mm-hmm. role. Mm-hmm. But she's not. She's not super. Uh, type A when it comes to, she's a little more flighty. She's more creative, forget stuff. She's not as worried about, you know, doing things perfectly, which is great. It's actually a great thing. My middle is more that way. Um. So that's more maybe of a temperament thing. But I do, because, of, because I feel like I was like an overly adult responsible kid that I didn't need to be, even my parents weren't asking me to be that. I do kind of make an effort to make sure she doesn't feel like she's got a, she's got to act like she's 12 when she's seven, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's hard because sometimes I need her to be, sometimes you need the oldest to carry the biggest load, figuratively or literally. Like sometimes I need her to watch her sister for 10 minutes or I need her to be the most self-sufficient and do her own shower because I have to bathe the little ones. But I'm always kind of aware of that line of, you know, wanting her to feel like she's still a kid. Like I can still help her. She doesn't need to do it all by herself. That was my long-winded you know. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. I I think for me, like my oldest, and you know, I kind of set up at the beginning saying he's he doesn't really fit the mold as an oldest, but I think in some ways he does. He's a real free thinker, and I think one I think he's tried to set himself apart as an in, like a real individualist and he does mm-hmm. things his own way. He's definitely wants to be the one who sets the tone like socially in the family. Like he really mm-hmm. loves it that his younger brother like, he loves kind of being – now that they're in high school together, he kind of loves being, like, the big man on campus with his younger mm-hmm. brother in school and introducing mm-hmm. him to his friends and, you know, all that kind of thing. It just never really translated to academics or um, performance or, right. you know – like, so. Achievement. 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 Yeah. Um, it's a very different. And, and he's definitely more sensitive and empathetic in mm-hmm. some ways than other kids in the family and, and does have anxiety. Um, it just doesn't – it hasn't, like – I don't know. When I look at like the classic oldest, Mm -hmm. I keep waiting. Like I kept waiting for that to happen with Jacob and it never did. And so maybe
0: it's just my interpretation is off. You know, I was never an oldest. No, but I think, yeah, I, I do think there's different flavors of that. And so much like we've talked about is kind of your temperament. I think I was a little bit more of a perfect storm of temperament and oldest and my brother's temperament right after me was polar opposite. So he was physical and impulsive and, you know, all the things that drove my like type a kind of rigid sensibilities crazy. So we, we really did have a, almost like a cliche older and younger for a while. Now there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot more gray areas. You grow out of things and, you know, become more self-aware and there's more siblings. And, but I think in those early years, we were very typical older, younger. And I don't think that's always the case because there's so many other factors and some kids, you know, just are wired differently. It's kind uh, of hard for you to say yet,
1: but how do you think your oldest and youngest will relate to each other?
0: Um, so the Compared girl, to so, you and your family as well. Yeah. Um, I think the age difference is um, a factor because Allegra and Violet are four and a half years apart. My sister and I are eight and a half years. Um, so I think they'll just have more shared experiences. I loved I loved the cool factor of having a baby in the family when I was in those, um, you know, elementary school years. Yeah. And then I totally blew her off in the middle school and high school years because we had nothing in common. And I can I, I can see that probably happening even with a four-and-a-half-year age yeah. difference like you were talking about with your brother. They're, I mean, when they're now at seven and three, they just play together, and Allegra is so um, nurturing. She's so... She's very selfless in that way. Like she'll play little kid games and she'll include the little kids, but that that's not going to last forever. She's going to It'll want... go in and out like some yeah. ages just line up better right. than others. Um, so I don't know, like we've talked about in a previous episode, I think about siblings um, that both you and I have big age gaps with our sisters and are close as adults. So you always kind of I mean it's always possible to come back together, but um, there are those years where it doesn't match up as well I don't know yeah. it will be it will be interesting my for sure Allegra and Reed get along better as children than my brother and I did but it's not it's not again it's not a forecaster necessarily so. yeah
1: yeah I don't know for me like being on the other side of it part of it's probably because my memory is not as good because I was really little I just sort of remember being, remember being sort of a non-issue and <laughs> like a non-entity in my sister's life most like until I was maybe like in junior high. I remember mm-hmm. her taking me out to get my first Frosty lip gloss. Oh, it's Frosty pink. And like that kind of thing yeah. when I started getting older and she took more interest. Otherwise, I wouldn't say we didn't get along and it's not right. like we didn't love each other. We were siblings, but it was yeah. we didn't have really we even shared a bedroom for a long time and I don't remember. I mean, she was like, you know, at this point, 17 years old. So right. we just shared a space and um I I would listen to her prince and michael jackson albums while she wasn't in the room and that was really bad i wasn't supposed to do that but otherwise i mean i don't i don't remember us having any kind of there was no conflict right but there right. just wasn't really anything else And i think jacob and clara are maybe a little closer um uh, maybe okay. just because they're both around more like jacob is yeah. a super social butterfly the way my sister was he's right. home most right. of the time and he he has a real um he seems to have a real sense of and this is something i kind of forgot to mention before that could be a very typical oldest thing is he seems to have a real sense of obligation for his siblings and how they turn out. Like mm, interesting. this has actually become a little bit of a problem because there's been times he's sort of undermined us or been oh, critical I of John that. and I yeah. yeah, in front of the other kids. And it's like talking to another parent. I have to say, you know, you can't do that to me in front yeah. of the kids. Like if you have a, you know, if you have an opinion about my parenting, right. you can bring it to me privately. Um, Everything from what I feed them, because he's now like a super into Mr. nutrition. Yeah. Milk, yeah. Mr. Health food and, it just different things. are I'll, you know, I'll give in to something, and I'll say, "Mom, I don't think you should give in on that." And I'm like, you know, when you're a dad, you can, right? Feel free feel to talk to me about it. I feel that as
0: oldest now. I don't think I did as a teenager like Jacob. I was off doing my own thing. I don't think I thought much about how they turned out. But I feel I have like sibling guilt now of like, well, you know, I was too much of an achiever, and that made my brother feel bad, and or I like wow. shut the door in my sister's face. Like I do feel like. And that is not true. I know that, that that's not, like, I'm not that all-powerful that I shape right. their, like, how they feel about themselves. But I can relate to Jacob in that way. Like, I do take some ownership of the role that the oldest played in how the siblings turned out. But I I didn't think about that, I don't think, when I was his age. So that's interesting. Well, and
1: and the good news, I think, is that when they're younger than you, they they don't remember things the way that you did. My stepbrother, Adam, who is, I want to say, seven years younger than me, something like that, um, he... Like, we'll talk about his childhood, and I'll tell him all over and over how terrible I feel. I was terrible to him. My memory is I was terrible to him. And he's like, what are you talking about? You were great. He doesn't remember things the way I did. So I think when there's like that age gap, even if it's not that big, I think sometimes we can maybe just breathe a little sigh of relief that they don't remember things the way that we did. Right. And it's only
0: one piece of the puzzle that made that person. Well, I want to we've talked a lot about the kids, but I want to talk a little bit about how like our parenting shifts. And this, I think, does follow the cliche a lot of the time, because most of us get more laid back as we go. Right. So I have a specific memory of being in high school. So my sister was in like young elementary school. And being so irritated, sorry, mom, because my mom listens to this show. So does my sister. um, That my sister got like Doritos in her lunch and whatever else that just convenience foods, like packaged lunch foods that I never got. I mean, I had like healthy peanut butter sandwiches and like never had a fruit snack or whatever, like the, oh, the fruit roll ups that were like a really big deal. Um, And, you know, only like the grossest whole wheat bread. And I just know that over time, and it, it, you can see how it happens because by the time my sister was in first grade, there were two teenagers in the house. Well, the teenagers are making a lot more of their own nutrition choices and they're buying stuff at the corner store. And it's just easy to see how you you get worn down a little bit and you just start to like relax on some of those standards. Yeah. I can yeah. see it with things like screen time with my kids, you know, the things that Violet watches or like the time that she doodles around on an iPad, obviously they're necessarily different than what my oldest would have done at three because there was no one else doing them. Right. So I do think that that's, that's a pretty common pattern. I mean, how extreme it is with your kids and what impact it has on your youngest, I guess depends. But is that something that you've seen in your parenting, oh, yeah. just like an overall relaxing? I mean, for
1: sure. And, and just just your example about what they watch. I mean, when it was John and me and Jacob... If we wanted to watch something that was a little older, we put them to bed, or we would, right. we would, you know, if we went to the movies, it would be a Disney movie or whatever, right. a cartoon, whatever the the child movie du jour was. Um, I can't tell you the last time I went and saw a Disney type movie in the theater, right? Because now we're think we're going out with everybody. Well, the right. oldest don't want to watch that, you know. Right. So now we have to find those kind of in the middle things, right. and so our youngest have definitely been exposed to things way earlier, right? And so is this I mean sometimes it can become almost impossible to police. There's shows that the kids aren't, the little ones aren't allowed to watch, but sometimes they're on in the sh- in the house yeah. and the olders are watching them and we have yeah. to just say, guys, if they come in the room or right now you're not allowed to go in the room. But right. I, you know, they're overhearing stuff yeah. and I can remember that
0: being yeah, the same when I was I'm a kid. I know, yeah, them.
1: there were definitely shows that my family would watch all together that I technically wasn't really supposed to watch. So I'd be right. sort of off in another room playing and listen, kind of like right. sticking my head around the corner and listening or whatever. And it, I just think that becomes kind of, impossible at some point you know the jokes were different are a little more you know that are get told around the dining room table are a little more adult I I look at my little ones and they're way more adult than the big ones were at their age and it's just they're just exposed to stuff I mean the cool part about is you know some I'll have the teachers say you're I can't believe your younger kids vocabularies it's crazy and I said well they they hear nothing but older people just yakking at them all the time or around them so there's cool there's cool benefits to that as well.
0: Well, and I think Um, another cool benefit that I see in a lot of younger kids is the flexibility factor. I mean, when you're parenting one or two little kids, you have a lot of control over having your values and your standards and sticking to them. And if you're someone like me who tends toward the more like structured side, you can pull that off as you have more kids and the ages of your kids widens. You can no longer, you just, you're forced into flexibility, which means those younger kids experience just a more fluid, the rules are more fluid. There's more gray. There's more like, well, you're not allowed to watch that, but right now it's okay because we're in this circumstance. You make a lot more allowances, I think, when you're parenting a a bigger, wider, you know, more disparate group of people than you do in the first one or two. So I think youngest benefit from that, wouldn't you say?
1: And yeah, and I think you also start to realize like some of the... Some of the standards you may have set early right. on were a little bit arbitrary or didn't yes. you know, what were they even for? Okay, like um, I could so have had on your, of my s- lunch, yes. mom. Exactly. You so you not only do the little kids benefit from that flexibility, but I think parents ultimately yes. benefit too. Because you just kinda have to take a really like much more um I I don't know, flowing stance on things and really realize what matters and what doesn't. And one other thing I wanted to say about that, and I think this is one reason why it's a lot easier for me to do things like travel or have hobbies and activities outside of the house now that I have um, such more kids, you know, is because what, what I've seen in my family is a subtle, but like growing shift where the most important relationship in each of my kids' lives isn't necessarily me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's bad. Like, I, you know, right. I think it gets spread around a little bit more. And um, when when it was just Jacob, I mean, John and I were his world. That's all he had. And and then we added Isaac, and it was like John and I were his world, but then he had this little brother, and that was kind of cool. And then we add more and more and more. And by the time you get to three or four or five kids, and even with two, I mean, it's the same thing. It just it sometimes takes a little longer to get there. They right. have to get right. older for that to happen. Right. But I think what I see now is, you know, they they don't need me as much because they all have each other. And that's not necessarily a birth order thing. That's more of a sibling relationship right. thing. But I, I like that because I know in, you know, 40 years, yeah. um, they'll have each other. That's yeah. likely who they'll – will be the primary relationships in their lives at that point, yeah. I hope. Um, So I feel like that's been a really ultimately good thing. And it's gotten easier to do with the younger ones than it was with the older ones. So mm-hmm. I guess it does kind of relate to just time, how long you've been around parenting, yeah. how many kids you have. and like how old the youngest are just those things start to get easier and that shift
0: starts to get easier yeah yeah no that's so So. true and i wonder just like as i'm listening to hear you talk how much like jacob and isaac will remember or observe or are observing now of your of that transition um and your and like almost you and john's phase of adulthood right now because that is another oldest thing is when you're the oldest especially you have if you have much younger siblings I have clear memories of my parents parenting my younger siblings. Does that make sense? Like yeah. when you're mm-hmm. when you're the youngest, you remember being parented, but you don't necessarily remember observing the what family dynamic. Happen. Whereas I do. Like I remember, you know, mm-hmm. I remember what they went through parenting my brother as a teenager or my sister as a younger kid. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that that's an interesting perspective as an oldest. So I'm, I wonder what Jacob and Isaac will remember about like this time in you guys' Bays, when everybody, all five of them right. are at home and established versus what Clara will remember. It's interesting.
1: Another thing I think is interesting about youngest versus oldest, and I know we need to wrap up soon, but um, this just popped into my head when you were talking about that is, you know, this is obviously not across the board true. But I think oldest tend to come into houses that are a little, or families that are a little less stable. There's probably more moving going mm-hmm. on. Maybe the parents are younger and don't they have, have really money. Haven't yeah. really don't have as much money. Maybe don't have the job stability yet, so they're still moving around a lot mm-hmm. or figuring out like what yep. kind of family are we gonna be. Yeah. And then the older they get, you know, it's so funny to me. Like John's memories of his family being so super frugal, um, and not having, you know, his mom was a teacher, his dad was an engineer. There, they became quite, you know. Well, I don't want to say well off, but very comfortable. Like when, by the time he was in college, but his memories of growing up versus like his sister's memories, yeah, who was six years younger, were very different because you know by the time she was in high school, there was money for her to have a horse and do all the pageants and all that stuff. And he was like, "Wait, that's you know they don't know that that's very how that's very similar
0: to us as well too, absolutely." The way I like the houses
1: get nicer and the cars get nicer, and the you know, there's more money for college, maybe, and there's just more money typically. And in my house, um, not just that, but the kids, you know, Jacob and Isaac, we moved like I want to say five, six, seven times by Mm -hmm. the time they were seven years old, and now you know, they went to three or four different elementary schools Mm -hmm. and then settled in one place. Um, Clara, Owen, and William have never known a different school district, they've had the same friends since they were five years, you know, five years old and younger, so there's just a very different not always, obviously, like my family was nothing like that growing up. I, things did not get that much more stable the older right. I got. And if anything, they changed more, but that's something I, I don't think I have in common with other youngers often right. is yeah. that sense of like this, you know, by the time I came along, everything was set. Right. And, um, so I do, I think that makes a difference too. I do too. I do not too. just I for the youngest. think that's
0: fascinating. But- actually. I'm thinking about my sister who was one, when we moved into the house, we moved a ton. Also, most of the moves were in within Santa Barbara. We moved to Santa Barbara and then we moved to a bunch of different houses. But my sister was a baby from the very first house and she is like, she likes everybody to be together. I don't know if you're like that as an oldest, but I think because we left her when she was so little to go to college and move off, she yeah. likes when everybody's together, you know, whereas I was the one who left. Like I kind of felt like, right, I'm good. You know, like I, I just was very right. independent and very interesting. Oh, we could go yeah. for hours, I'm sure. Um, we could. I totally wanted to bring up Little Women before we close. We don't have to talk about it, but I think oh, okay. if, if there's other Little Women fans and literature fans out there, I think that's a, such a great character study it really, of a, yes. a four-person. My mom grew up in a family of four girls, so she's all, always related to that. But you have the responsible Meg. You have the yeah. the rebellious Joe. Joe. You have the poor, kind of, ever suffering, death, <laughs> ever suffering, withdrawn and, you know, lost, but also yeah. intimately valued by her family, you know, like right. the wise. Yep. And then you have impulsive, selfish, Amy. So I think um, it isn't about the cliches, but I think maybe what we why we were drawn to this is it's fun to look for those archetypes or those patterns and play with how we parent them and how we maybe compensate for not not wanting to you know, burden anybody or leave anybody out. So it's a, it's a constant, um, it's a constant juggling. It is. Oh, <laughs> well, this has been fun. I love it. All right. Well, we'd love yeah. to hear from everybody. You can email us at hello at com with your own birth order analysis of your own families. We love this stuff. We'd love to hear from you. Um, or leave us a comment right on the show notes, which are always at com, and just look for episode 40. Um, I will link to a couple of the articles that I mentioned, as well as the episode we recorded about siblings and sibling relationships, because I think there's a lot of overlap there as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Awesome. Um, really Thanks quick so before we leave, I wanted to ask people to leave us an iTunes review or rating. We oh, haven't yes. asked for that in Please a while. I was on there today reading a couple of recent reviews. So um, we have a link for how to do that. If you're not sure, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, But just so you know how all this works with the iTunes gods and whatever podcast app you use, when we have ratings and reviews, it just shows the powers that be that people are listening. So even if you don't give us a raving review, um, it just helps raise the visibility of the show, which helps us. Thanks
1: so much, everybody. See you next next week. week. Sarah, this is our favorite calendar for busy moms because it's beautiful and simple design shows around three months at a time.
0: Yeah. And with summer fast approaching now is a great time to get the essential calendar and see what I've been raving about all these years. Get 10% off your order at the essential the mom hour. That's 10% off at the essential the mom hour.